0: You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Tech fan podcast number 152 with Tim Robertson and David Cohen out of Hong Kong. And it is Tech Fan Podcast number 152. I'm Tim Robertson, joined by David Cohen in Hong Kong this week.
1: I join you from the colonial Far East, the home of the opium dens where the natives are particularly accommodating. Well, at least you're having fun, right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's been, uh, we're recording this on Sunday because it's just been kind of a crazy couple days for both of us. Your son got injured. Both my kids got sick, but of course not on the same day. No. Um,
1: what are you going to do, though, right? That's funny. Uh, they've um, Now they've relaxed the flight rules, so you don't need to turn your phone off until the plane kind of is, is virtually rolling down the runway. So I was actually sat on an aircraft waiting to leave for Hong Kong, and my cell phone rings. Uh, and it's my son's school to say, Oh, yeah, Alexander's full. I've had an accident. He's complaining his hands, and his arm is hurting him. Would you be able to come and pick it up? And I'm like... Uh, no, <laughs> I'm just about to take off for Hong Kong. <laughs> so, uh, so, your wife so, yeah. had to go do it. She had to do it, yeah. yeah. Well, I, well, then I had to call her because they tried to call her and not been able to get hold of her. So she answers the phone to me. Hmm. Okay.
0: Mine wasn't so exciting, just a stomach flu. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think my wife might have it now because she's I'm saying she's a little queasy and.
1: It's yeah, not yeah, a good day for because right, I'm
0: supposed it. to cook a big turkey, so...
1: Uh, what are you going to do, right? Well, that'll either sort it out or it'll finish them off. Yeah, that's, that's exactly <laughs> right.
0: So, uh, a couple neat things. Well, one not so neat, and one of our listeners, I know for a fact, have heard the story, because he commented on Facebook. But uh, I want to start with... One of the important things that I don't think a lot of people pay a lot of attention to, unfortunately, is their workspace... And particularly their chair. It's really important to have a chair that is comfortable, that you can sit, especially if what you do is all day in front of the computer, that you can sit in that long without your legs going numb or your back aching and that sort of thing. And obviously, I, I do a lot of my work from the home now. My chair that I had was just very, very comfortable for me, David. I loved it. I could spend all day in it and no problems at all. Except the little up and down piston thing stopped yeah. working. And it was at the down position. And it was actually, it's, uh, it's farther down than it would be if you would have just let all the gas out. It went even farther, lower than that. And uh, But I got it, kind of got used to it, but it made typing kind of a pain. Worse, one of the screws that hold the back on, it's one of these chairs where the arm on either side connects to the bottom and then the back and that's what holds the chair together right one of the screws that hold the right hand side back in place broke snapped and i could not get the screw out of the hole no matter what i've I've tried and tried. i've tried drilling it out i've tried everything i don't know what kind of metal they made these screws out of but i tried drilling it out and it's like ha ha (laughs) it's you can't do it (laughs) I speak in the face of your drill. And so half the time when I would lean back, it would kind of pop backwards a little bit and I had to pull it forward. And I know that's putting a whole lot of stress on this other screw that's in there. And it's only a matter of time before that screw itself breaks. And then I can't use the chair at all. So yeah. I went and replaced my chair last night. I've got a nice brown leather chair. This is the first brown chair I've had in I don't know how long. Uh, I bought it at the uh, Staples. It's an American office store. Yeah. And I got it on sale for yeah, 90 bucks or something, which is a really good price. And yeah. uh, I'm, I'm quite pleased with it. I'm sitting in it now, and uh, it's nice. I
1: like it a lot. There's a weird thing about chairs, though, because often you'll see uh, whenever you see office clearance or somebody goes out of business, you'll see chairs being sold on the sidewalk. You know, by office clearance people for yeah. for buttons, you know, for tiny tiny prices. And yet, you, when you go and buy them new, you have to pay a lot more for them. I mean, they can they can be hundreds of dollars for. They for depreciate a, a very, very very quickly. Yeah, um, I actually, I obviously, I I had that accident just over a year ago where I broke my back. And yeah. when I came back to work, I was asked what you know what to do about the chair. Would the office chairs be good enough for me? We have very strict liability laws for health and safety here in the uk so if they hadn't asked me that and if i come back and then found that the the chair that the normal office chair was using had made my back worse then i would have had uh, grounds to sue them so they actually asked me and i had to go and speak to my doctor and and you know doctors are very reluctant to recommend stuff like that but um they finally i did get a recommendation out of them and i went back to the company and said well this is what i've been told and uh it was expensive. This chair. It was. Uh, well, I think it was probably about five hundred pounds. So wow. getting on for eight hundred dollars. Uh, but it's the best chair I've ever had. Is it? Um, yeah. I, it, it's really, really good. Um, is it leather? It, it, is it mesh? Is it? No. It's it, well. It's it's fat. Is you can get it with all sorts of coverings. But um, this is the the one I went for is the entry level one, which is a, a fabric covered one. But it, the the design is. It looks kind of like a. It looks almost like a saddle, right? Uh, and the the idea is is you can you can sit on it any way that that feels comfortable. You can flip it round and kind of sit on it with so you can rest on the back of the chair. and The back of the chair has cut out so you can almost rest your elbows on it if you want to. Uh, and um, the, the and also when you're sat on this kind of saddle thing, you're because you're not resting against the chair, you're kind of constantly adjusting yourself on um, un- on. Un- unconsciously so that means that you're not slumping you're not um and and the the muscles in your back and everything are kind of working to keep you upright so um it it you know it it really does work i mean it it you don't get any any sort of bad posture or anything like that with this chair at all but it was pricey Mm. i will i I can't remember what the name of the manufacturer is but i will dig a link out of it now and send it over to you before we post the show so you can put it in the show notes in case anyone's interested
0: Yeah, definitely. Mine is, um, if you go to staples.com and look for Burlston Chair, (laughs) that's what it is. That's all it says on there. Just Burlston Chair. It's not an expensive one at all. Uh, I think initially it was like $200, $180, something like that. And uh, it was on sale. And then I signed up for some membership thing, which... You know, they didn't ask me for any information there. I can do it online, and that saved me an extra five percent.
1: So, eh, what yeah. the heck? Okay. So, so mine is a is a Hag eight one oh six. Okay, just send me the link in a uh, Hag. Really? Uh, uh, Hag, Hag. yeah, That's the name of the man. It's um, it's a Hag Capisco. Actually, it's designed by a Swedish guy. You know, so it's um, it's kind of a uh, uh a. You know, what well, can you know the Swedes are into all that sort of stuff. Yep. So, um, yeah, it's um, it's a kind of odd-looking thing. I know it's good because whenever I'm out of the office, I come back and I found it's not at my desk because somebody has swiped it to use it. Some normally, somebody of has a bit of back pain. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you get it right back. Oh uh, yeah, I go straight back and say, "Oh, I'm sorry, that's mine now." So, uh, yeah, it's important to have a
0: chair that fits you and. I've seen too many home office setups where they just use whatever chairs available. They grab one from the kitchen table, they, some old office chair with a round bottom and a small back. I, I like a a, a really large back. Um, kind of an executive level type chair that goes kind of high in the back. I like that kind that I can rest my head on it if I want to squat down a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, this chair fits me well. And it's the kind of chairs that I've had for a while now.
1: But this is, it's uh, funny because you know you are you are using your chair all the time, yep. just in the same way you're using your keyboard and mouse all the time, uh, and your screen all the time, and yet those are the sort of things people often will cheap out on. Right, they'll, <laughs> you know?
0: they'll get a very expensive computer, an extra yeah. RAM and an extra hard drive, and they're sitting on a wooden crate at a picnic table to use it. And it's, does it makes no sense to me? You know, you only have to really buy look, this is not an expensive chair and I'll probably be replaced. I've got a three year warranty, but it'll break in three and a half years. That's just the way it's going to happen. And I understand that. And then I'll go buy another cheap chair and that'll last me three and a half years, but if I went and spent 800 to a thousand dollars on a chair, it would be super comfortable. It would probably last 20 years and I wouldn't never have a problem with it. And if I did, it would come with a good 10 year or a lifetime guarantee. But I'm cheap when it comes to how much I want to dish out all at once. It's hard for me in my mind to justify $1,000 for an office chair, even though that's where I spend the majority of my time. And I don't know why I'm like that. And I think a lot of people are when you think, wow, $1,000 for a chair, that's
1: expensive. Well, how much does your MacBook Pro cost? Yeah. It's, it's true. I guess the problem is, is that if you spend top dollar on everything, then you end up spending a lot of money. So yes. you kind of have to choose where you put your cash. Absolutely.
0: But I think if you're going to do office work and I, I got to imagine almost everyone listening to this podcast probably sits in front of their computer a great deal of time. And David mentioned these, the three things that I would spend money on good money is a chair, um, a really good keyboard, and a mouse, I would say, eh, I mean, a mouse is a mouse. I mean, you, you could spend really good money on a mouse and it's still less than a hundred bucks. Um, but if, if your computer doesn't come with a screen, spend some money on a screen cause it will last and, uh, you won't regret it. Those are the three things I'd say, spend some money on because they're going to yeah. probably last longer than the computer. And you're going to spend a lot of time tapping away, looking at that screen, Sitting in a, a uncomfortable chair, it's just going to make the days drag out longer.
1: Now, I'm going to give I'm going to give our listeners a tip here. If you're a uh, if you're a gamer, or if you do any sort of high end graphics work, if you do office stuff, uh, an LCDs, fine. But if you do, um, yeah, if you do gaming or you do uh, a lot of intensive graphics or photo work, one thing you can do is you want a very very high quality screen for not very much money is go out and get yourself a used professional level CRT monitor. Yeah. Provide you've got the space for it uh, and actually you'd be surprised those things weigh a ton but you'd be surprised that they're nowhere near as deep as you think they are because they were designed to be used on tests and they were expensive. They were two, two and a half thousand dollars each new. So the, the people making them designed them so they were very good but they weren't as big as you thought they were and you can now pick them up for nothing.
0: Yeah, people don't um, want them at all anymore.
1: Yeah, and you know what? For games, for if you plug an Xbox into one of those things, they look amazing because it's much brighter than an LCD, uh, and you don't get any of that smearing or the pixelation you get with an LCD because you know, the response time is much better. Um, and, you you know, you're looking at a – this is a, a CRT screen, but it, they, they have a completely flat surface, very high-quality components. Um, and they've got the business. And again, if you do photography, photography always looks better on a CRT than it does on an LCD or an LED screen. It does. Yeah. And you can calculate. I mean, you can uh, not
0: calculate. You can uh, adjust them correctly.
1: Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And you
0: get a um, it's close to 100% real-world reproduction. Much indeed, easier. Absolutely. With yeah, using something like these- an X-Rite or something like that uh, than you can with a CRT.
1: Yeah, yeah, but most most people don't have uh, calibration like that. No, but if you're
0: going to go that route and you need something for photography, you're right. You'd be much better served spending almost nothing for the monitor because you can get a professional monitor that looks unbelievable and a calibration tool. And you're still spending a quarter of what you do with a brand new LCD professional model. Exactly. Yep. It's a great, it's a great tip. I like it a lot. Had something, Mm -hmm. uh, humorous happen to me yesterday, David. you like this. So Julie and I are rearranging some things in the kitchen and we came up with a, an idea. We've got some shelves in there that are, it's kind of wasted space. So we thought, oh, we're going to move stuff around. We're going to take some of the, uh, kitchen things that we never seem to use. Like the crock pot. We, I use it maybe twice a year it doesn't need to take a prominent space on the shelf in the kitchen right yeah Uh, we could take that downstairs um while we're moving stuff around my elbow or my hand or something hit uh this plastic jar of kool-aid now this is a kind of a big thing it's kind of an oil can type of it's big right yeah it falls to the ground the top flies open and all the powder the kool-aid powder the cherry powder spills yeah. out a good quarter of it. And this thing was full. Now, I have two options. I can try sweeping it up. And you know you never get it all when you're sweeping. Yeah. Or I could use my shop vac. Uh-huh. So I grab my shop vac. I've got a big 20 gallon shop vac. And I get to, you know, sucking it all up. A shop vac is very handy, David, because it's it's you can use it with two things. You can use it with dry, like this. Or you can use yeah. it wet and I had used it wet the last time I used it. Now, when you use it wet, you have to take the filter out. You didn't, did you? Oh, I did, but I forgot to put the filter back in. <laughs> oh, dear. Thus, when I suck up all this powdery stuff, it basically acts like a dispensary and just shoots <laughs> it all um, over the kitchen. So now we have Kool-Aid dust just kind of everywhere in the kitchen. Oh, my God. The
1: only and good part about this is it smelled really good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but the problem is every time you get anywhere where that is, it gets wet. Oh, yeah, it's going to turn red. Right. It's going to take, yeah, but not just red. It's going to look like you murdered somebody there, <laughs> and it's going to stain like it's never coming off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, I, I did a pretty good job of getting it up.
0: But... uh <laughs> I, you know, as I was vacuuming, I didn't realize that that, that was happening. And the only reason yeah. I didn't get all of it up in the vacuum cleaner is because I turned it off for a second because I had to move a few things to get, you know, where the powder was. And that's why mm. it looked smoky in the kitchen. <laughs>
1: yeah. I thought, what the heck is going on? Then, for it's a good thing you didn't have a naked flame. It probably would exploded. <laughs> <laughs> this Kool-Aid is you know, flammable. Man, I don't know. Man, seriously injured in Kool-Aid explosion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The only thing I've ever seen that was anything like that, the uh, I once saw somebody st- uh, drop and spill toner from a toner cartridge mm-hmm. on the floor, uh, and they went and got the uh, office vacuum cleaner to try and suck it up. And what, Of course, what they didn't realize is toner particles are so small, they just go straight through the filters in a vacuum cleaner. Yes. So it was the same sort of deal. They're sort of sucking the stuff up, and they and the vacuum cleaner is just blowing it over the entire office. I've, and well, I've we, got had, a, we had toner on our desk for months. Yep. I've
0: got a good story on toner. This was, a um, oh, I'm going to say late nineties, early two thousands. And I was working for the design firm. I was the it manager. Uh, we did design mm-hmm. and packaging and we do our comps on either really big format printers, I'm talking about, you know, the, the big five foot rolls, but for smaller comps, just for, you know, tests and stuff like that, we use color laser printers and they use toner yeah. and mm-hmm. these were, uh. From Xerox, the one I'm thinking about. And these canisters were huge. They were, coincidentally enough, about the size of an oil can. And you would twist them out and and pull this whole plastic thing right out, right? And then you'd put the new plastic thing in with new toner and, and turn it. Then you would take the old one and send it back to Xerox because they would open them, refill them after cleaning them, and packaging them like new. Yeah. So we ran out of this black cartridge and uh my boss was there and he says what's going on with the printer and i said oh it's just out of you know toner i gotta go get some more well he didn't know anything about these things and the handle to pull it out actually looks like a lid after it's out after it's been removed so it looks like maybe you take off this top and you pour the new stuff in there of course you don't do that and even when it's out there's still some in there about an eighth left in there. It never uses it all. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I go back to get another canister and he thought he'd be helpful. He thought I was going to get a box or something with this powder in it that I would pour in there. So he thought it would be a good idea to open the canister for me. And as I come back around the corner, holding the new canister, his name was Ed, Mm -hmm. Ed standing there with this thing wedged in his elbow against his chest, prying like crazy on what he perceives as the lid. And just <laughs> as I walk around the corner and I'm about to say, don't do that. The lid pops yeah. off very forcefully and everything that was left in this, in this container Foof, right in his face, Ed had this really <laughs> bushy mustache. I mean, uh-huh. like the kind that came down past his chin. And just super thick. You couldn't even see his mouth when he talked because it was just so thick. And he wore these wire rim glasses that kind of looked like John Lennon. And he had yeah. long hair that he kept in a ponytail. This powder just clung all over his face. Well, yeah, because it's electrostatic. It yeah. Um, yeah. It was so funny. He he kind of looks up at me and pulls his glasses off and he looks like an inverted raccoon.
1: Uh and it must have looked like, do um, you remember that, H? I think it was HP or Sony, did that ad a couple of years ago with kind of exploding paints all over this building to kind of show how colorful the, their cameras were? I don't, I don't remember. They might not have shown that here in the U.S. because it doesn't ring any bells with me. But
0: that's, it, it was so funny. I die laughing. And there was, you know, where this printer sat, it kind of sat in the middle, but against the wall where these four designers would sit. And so that's me and there's four designers and Ed and, and everybody saw it. It was the funniest thing I've ever seen, man. I died <laughs> laughing. I was laughing so hard. He had to, he had to leave work because he it was oh, yeah. everywhere. And, and
1: uh, I bet I bet he was I bet he was finding it for, for weeks afterwards.
0: Oh, I wouldn't doubt it a bit. I mean it's it's like baby yeah. powder. I mean it's just it it's so fine. This powder is. And uh Man, it was just all over him. It was so funny, I, I couldn't, I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> it's a, it's a good memory to have of somebody that was uh, a very good-natured person. I mean, he didn't get pissed off or anything like that. He kind of chuckled about it, and he, you know, he was going to shake his head to get all this off of him, but he had the foresight to say, so "Give me a garbage can," and he kind of sh- put his whole head in a garbage can and kind of shook his head in there. Yeah. Um, but oh man, that was so funny. I died laughing. It was just to see that kind of poof up and it it kind of looked like a cloud that just kind of enveloped his whole face and his head, and oh my God, I died laughing. That was funny. so uh, good times good times, good times with technology. <laughs> 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 All right, let's take our break here, David real quick, and uh we'll be right back. Ever think about becoming a podcaster, thinking, wow, you know, that's probably way too hard? Well, we have a solution. The Stoplight Network is looking for brand new shows to join the network. Won't cost you a dime. In fact, you might actually make some money off of it. So if you've always wanted to podcast, and it seemed way too daunting, drop me a line. My name is Tim Robertson. I am the host of TechFan. I started the MyMac Podcasting at the dawn of podcasting, and I can help you get your podcast up and running. Simply send an email to Tim, that's T-I-M, at MyMac, M-Y-M-A-C, dot com. Tim at MyMac.com. Let's get your show ready for prime time. Back here, tech fan number 152. If you guys want to send us email, we'd appreciate it. Uh, Or leave a comment on the website itself. It's techfanpodcast.com, and we will read your feedback right here. And, David, honestly, uh, if we did get feedback for this show, I don't have it with me right now. Um, I did say that we had one comment on show 150, uh, and uh, let me pull that up here because I don't want to misquote it. Heaven forbid I misquote something, and, you know, people get angry. (laughs) Um, of course, one fifty-one was our last show, and this comment I was kind of surprised it, it it actually popped up while we were recording podcast 150. Now, one fifty. Now or uh, one fifty-one, and remember we had Guy Searle on that podcast last week. Yeah, and uh, this one, let's see, it's from listener Guy, and it says Guy rocks when he's on Tech Fan.
1: <laughs> now. Uh Oh, last. Let's David. just put. Let's just join go. the dots up here. Okay. Um. Yeah. Let's join the dots here. Guy works for the government. Yep. The government listened to everything. Yep. Was this one of Guy's fans in the NSA? It, it could have been.
0: It could have been. I wouldn't put anything. <laughs> to go farther is Guy encouraging them to listen, knowing he was going to be on the show? Mm. Hmm
1: yeah controversies you know, within could have, controversies could as a, a flag you could, well you're probably flagged as a person of interest anyway oh yeah a long time ago are you kidding me
0: <laughs> as long as i've been podcasting sure absolutely yeah so um what was your flight out here like david you were talking about an airplane that you wanted to mention
1: yeah, I was interested because I came out on the A three eighty, the Airbus A three eighty, which is the the super jumbo. Yeah, that's the it's new the, one, right? The, yeah, the new one. So so I was interested to see what this was like. The I one know. that was catching on fire during testing? No, that's the Boeing one. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's the Boeing Dreamliner. This this one I don't think this one's hardly ever caught fire. <laughs> hardly ever. <laughs> hardly ever. Good track record, yeah. <laughs> We hardly ever catch on fire. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so I'll tell you a story about that in a minute, actually. It's something I saw last week. Uh, so, yeah, this is, so the A380 is, is, it's a weird looking plane because it looks like a freighter. It's huge. If You you know how the 747 has a uh, double deck at the front? Right. Where the, where the Yeah. So this is like that, but imagine that double deck running the entire length of the plane. So it has two stories. This so it plane. looks pregnant. It does. It look well. It look, kind of looks like a big flying whale. Um, so it, it is an odd-looking thing, but as you can imagine, it's a wide-body plane and it has two decks on it. It is enormous, hmm. absolutely enormous. So I was, and, and also it's brand new. So I was very uh, interested to see what this was like. And the weird thing is, you the, the takeoff seems strange. I was on the top deck, so the takeoff seems strange because you're very high up. And because you're so high up, you're also a long way from the engines. And so it's extremely quiet. I've never been in a plane that quiet before.
0: Oh, that's kind of Um, neat.
1: Yeah, it is. But it is kind of weird. And you do kind of worry (laughs) if this thing is safe because it is so large. It really is. It's one of these ones where they had to change all the airports to accommodate it, you know. Um, But then there were a couple of things that disappointed me about it. So the seats I didn't find were very comf- were, were very comfortable, which is I suppose can be a personal preference sort of thing. But um, yeah, they weren't. But then I have a, a set of um, the you know the noise cancelling headphones, the active noise cancelling headphones you can get. Sure. Yeah, so I have a set of those, and I have an airline adapter, so I can plug them into the airline seat. You know, they they, they use two prongs rather than one. Right, just so they can rent you the headphones. Yeah, Well, yeah, except that you can get an adapter for that. And I've used that adapter on pretty much every aircraft I've ever flown on without a problem. But not this one because they've changed the size of the hole. Of course they did. So now it's two and a half millimeters around three and a half millimeters for this double jack thing. So the one I have doesn't work. I don't even know whether you can get an adapter for, for this type of thing. Um, and, uh, yeah, that, that, was, that kind of ticked me off, especially as... They made a big thing in the in the Inflight magazine about the uh, the the video system, and you know it was a great looking screen. It wasn't, and it was touch screen, and all that. It wasn't an iPad, but you know it wasn't the kind of crappy plastic covered screens you often see on aircraft. You know, it looked pretty good. But the, and they even had sockets so you could plug your iPad or your iPhone directly into it if you wanted to watch content from those devices on that screen. Oh, that's kind of neat. That's kind of neat, but you think, well, why go to all that effort and then nickel and dime you on the headphones? Yeah, socket? yeah, that's <laughs> you know. That's so uh, yeah, but but it, it is kind of strange um, flying on something so large. You, it kind of makes you realize what a, a game changer it must have been when the 747 first launched at this in the seventies. Oh yeah, and it all was it was went from going on a a very small aircraft because they were narrow back then as well weren't they and all of a sudden the 7 came out and it was wide Um, a lot of people refused to get on it because it, it, it looked like it defied the laws of physics that's how much of a game changer that plane was yeah now, interestingly enough, I saw a documentary about the development of the 747 last week, um, and and there was one kind of uh, – was it's a very interesting – if you ever get a chance to find out about it, it's very interesting. It, it was a, a plane that was kind of designed as a stopgap, and Boeing didn't put resources in it because everyone was going to go supersonic. Um, and so, and, and they had to develop it very quickly because Pan Am had placed an order for a large aircraft. And so they solved a lot of engineering challenges in, in about a year and a half to get that plane going. But um, what was interesting was when they were putting it together, they had new engines that had never been um, tested before from Pratt & Whitney. Uh, and they had a problem with them that every time they went through a certain revolution speed, they kind of backfired <laughs> um and it sounded like they were exploding there was this great big bang a big cloud of smoke and a jet of flame came at the back um and it turned out that there was some flex in the casing and that was generating like an abnormal shock wave that was making these these things doing but it was it was obviously they couldn't fly like that on a, on a long-term base particularly in a passenger plane <laughs> and know. they were they were trying to get this plane done in about 18 months which for a groundbreaking plane like that is obviously very quick and pratt and whitney were kind of dragging their heels about f- attending to this problem they were kind of doing that thing like well, maybe maybe it's the way you've installed the engines or maybe it's the fuel system and maybe it's nothing to do with us basically uh, and apparently the chief test pilot of boeing um invited the uh the um ceo of pratt and whitney on a test flight of the prototype plane and 747 and gets him up in the cockpit gets him up to 20,000 feet and he says oh I just need to show you something and you know you know, obviously a four engine player has four engine throttles in the middle of the console there right. so he just pulls one back he's marked on the console where the, where the throttle even needs to be to cause this backfire so he pulls back in and suddenly it bang! and it's great Cloud of smoke comes out the engine on on number one, you know, yeah, and everybody goes, and jumps, including this guy, this Pratt and Whitney guy, yeah, and then he does it to the next engine, <laughs> yeah, pulls it back, <laughs> This time it's even louder because it's the inboard engine, so it's even close to the fuselage, yeah, and he's reaching for the third engine throttle, yeah, and the Pratt and Whitney guy goes, "Don't do that." Okay, I get it. We'll fix it. And they had it fixed in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> So sometimes it's not what you know, it's who you know. <laughs> oh, he,
0: or how good you can scare the crap out of them. <laughs>
1: exactly, yeah. <laughs> well, Apparently the, um, this Boeing test pilot was well known for not only his professional competence, but also uh, his ability to do things uh, to prove a point. He also apparently rolled that plane uh, through a barrel roll. Wow, that's scary. Just to prove how strong the fuselage was. <laughs> wow. That's faith, isn't it? To barrel roll a jumbo. Yeah, that's not something I think I would would do.
0: (laughs) So last week, David, I talked about two e-books that I was reading. Mm -hmm. Reading a new one this week. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I've always liked comic books, so superpowers and stuff like that, since I've been a little kid, it's always been interesting to me. Most of that interest now is in movies like The Avengers and Captain America. I really enjoy them. Um, But I was reading on some news website that Will Smith, of course, he was on uh he was in a superhero movie. Uh I can't remember Han- the name of it. Hancock. Hancock, that's right. It was which a great film. Actually. It well it, half of it's great film and half of it's pretty bad.
1: No well what I liked about the second half, which I, I kinda of see what you're saying, but the thing is is what I liked is you didn't see it coming. I didn't, uh, but it wasn't
0: interesting. That's the that was the problem yeah. for me. I thought the beginning of it was brilliant and then the second yeah. half was just like, mm, okay. I guess they, they had half of a good idea here. Mm. So I heard he's going to do this movie, and it's called Brilliance. And I read the synopsis of basically what it's about, and I thought, that sounds interesting, and I heard it was based on a book. So I went and tracked down the book, five bucks on Amazon. I thought, what the heck, I'll buy it. I'm at 49% through it right now, and i got to say it's really interesting. So it's called Brilliance, and it's by an author, Marcus Sakey, S-A-K-E-Y. And basically it's alternate history, uh, starting around 1980. And that's when the brilliant start being born. N- nobody seems to know why, but you've heard of the term idiot savant, where uh-huh. it's, um, somebody that has problems usually in, uh, mannerisms or they can't really, they can't really navigate society. Uh, think of, yeah. um, Oh, what was that movie? Tom Cruise, Dustin Hoffman. Oh. Yeah, Rain What? Rain Man. Rain Man. Where yeah. the toothpicks drop and he can count them. And he just yeah. looks at them, he can just count them. But, and he's great in Casino. Right. Well, yeah. too good, actually. Yeah. But he can't really take care of himself because, you know. Yeah. And think of that premise, but drop the idiot part out of it. So it's normal people, except they have abilities. Now, we're not talking superpowers here. We're not talking about flight or telekinetics or nothing like that. But think of someone who could look at a crowd, a very crowded room, and navigate that room, walking through it, and never bumping into anybody, and nobody even noticing that person is there, Mm -hmm. because this person has the ability to kind of see where people are moving, what they're looking at and be able to navigate the room so people really don't even know that they're there and never yeah, bump not, into not, them.
1: Not being invisible, but kind of the ability to fade in the background and not be noticed. Exactly, or yeah. the ability to look at
0: someone and notice all kinds of things about them. They're lying because their pupils are widening or the, the, he could tell by um, the blood pressure is going up a little bit and that sort of thing.
1: So so kind of like the way Sherlock Holmes in the, in the modern Sherlock things can Absolutely. tell all sorts of things about you because he observes things
0: nobody else does. Absolutely. Now imagine yeah. millions of people starting to develop that. Now there's different levels of the brilliance. You can, you know, something very benign all the way up to somebody that can just see what's going on with the stock market and play it like someone can play a flute and make themselves billions of dollars. In fact, that's part of right at the beginning of the book, they talk about the stock market is closed because there's one brilliant basically cleaned up and they realize mm-hmm. that it's really not fair to go up against regular humans on the stock market. Cause this guy's always going to make money. So that's the premise of it. And one of them is a terrorist and another one, the guy who will Smith will play in the movie is in this government agency. Who's hunting down the brilliants that are terrorists. And that's the the premise of the the book, and I am really enjoying it so far. I think it's really I'm good. Gotta stop doing this because you cost me a fortune in books. I tell you, Did you uh, did you start reading any of the ones that I told you about last week? Uh, I have
1: them on my Kindle. I've not started watching them. Uh, not started reading them yet.
0: Yeah, they're really good. I I finished both of those books from that author. Uh, if you want to know what those are, go to uh, Tech Fan Podcast Number One Fifty One. I've got a link to those books as well, and I'll put one in for this one and show 152 i just love reading yeah did we talk about um red shirts i you know here's the thing about red shirts david i start i read half of that book and it was so good and then they pull a, a double whammy on me and i lost
1: interest almost immediately uh you've read it right uh, I've started reading it. Okay. Uh, but uh, again, I'm interested in the premise that, um, you know, about the like, kind of the below decks thing. Of, right. Know, they're called red shirts because they're like the red shirt guys in Star Trek who always die in the missions. Right. Yeah.
0: and, and Something that, happens halfway through this book, more than halfway through this book, where the story changes on who the storyteller is. And I, I just lost interest. I might go back to it because maybe it's better than I think. And it's got hugely positive reviews but when the entire story changed at this one point I was just like yeah I just lost interest so I might okay. go back to it because I did buy that book but they're actually mm-hmm. making a show on that now are they yeah they've
1: you know, some they, they some they companies
0: a, picked up the rights
1: they did uh, I remember back on Star Trek and next the Generation, they did a one show called below decks where it was pu- rather than being focused on the main characters it was focused on some junior characters mm-hmm. and about how they you know but but they they weren't being killed off at least I don't think they were. Well, they uh, I forget.
0: That. I, I like the premise of uh, of red shirts, and I really liked it up to a certain point, and then I, I just lost interest. But more than that, I'm very interested in a TV show based on it. I think that would be entertaining. And yeah. uh, you see that they're bringing heroes back too.
1: Yeah, I saw that. Um, as as long as they kind of avoid for pitfalls from
0: last time, I guess it'll well, be okay. Well, they say they're going to have, it's going to be a smaller series. And it's going to be kind of a one-shot. And I think a a, a premise like Heroes works better that way.
1: Yeah, I I think the problem is at the time that the original Heroes came out, I mean, it, it kind of was responsible in some ways for starting to really kickstart people's interest in, in super characters again. And of course, now again, it's a very different world. We, we've got big famous super characters on the screen every year yeah but so, i wouldn't uh, watch the first episode of heroes
0: from i don't know 2004 5 whatever it came out it holds up really really well and, yeah and uh yeah the for me heroes
1: is really good the first season and then it tanked after that it was just bad yeah i think the problem is they got caught up in their own mythology mm-hmm. um and they clearly were making it up as they went along oh absolutely <laughs> You can't with lost. Yeah. You just can't get away with that nowadays. You've got to have an idea about where it's going.
0: Well, that's the thing about broadcasting. Now there's so many different outlets for you to get your stories out. And I think they're starting to, in some respects, get away from the mentality of, okay, we have a show we have to have, you know, anywhere between 18 to 24 episodes in this year. And then we repeat it next year and we keep doing that until the ratings start tanking and then the show will end rather than kind of what the BBC's has done for a long time, which is it's going to be a shorter season. The writers are kind of in control, the creators anyways, and it's only meant to go for two seasons and that's it. That's the yeah. story.
1: And, uh, and America has skewed
0: so yeah. that and I, I think America's finally rightly, I think, coming around to that way of
1: storytelling. that it's. I think, it's, yeah, the, the difference as well as with our shorter series is that they tend to be written by one or two people rather than a, rather than a team of writers. And I think that helps keep it much more focused. And that's happening here that. too. Yeah.
0: Like Marin, for instance. Marin, of course, is based on uh, comedian Mark Marin, who's got one of the biggest podcasts in the world. And I, while I like his podcast, it gets a little uh, sometimes for me. Mm-hmm. But I like his stand-up act to a certain extent. So he came out with a show. I don't know. It's whatever channel. It's on Netflix now. And it was like six or eight episodes, maybe twelve. It, it wasn't real long. There were half-hour episodes, and that was it. And he did with his team of writers all the writing for the show. And that's coming back for a second season. And it's going to be a much smaller season than most shows on television. I just think that the network, we're going to order your show. We're going to order 24 episodes and all right, go. I I, I just don't think those shows are as good as they could be anymore. It's it's really rare. And I think that the internet is largely responsible for that. They're hearing immediate feedback from people. And there's so many different places that, Hey, it didn't work on A and E or it didn't work on CBS. So we're going to put it out on Netflix and boom, it takes off on Netflix. That's what happened with breaking bad. Breaking bad. Wasn't a big hit and yeah. then it hit Netflix
1: and people binge watched it and it just went through the roof. So speaking of binge watching, um one thing I did watch on the way one one of the nice things about Planes now is that that because they have video on demand you get a lot more content on them than you used to so they had a whole load of movies and I watched um, I watched a couple of movies but they had some box sets on there and so I saw the first season of House of Cards was on there so I watched the first episode and wow (laughs) it got me straight away Yeah, we were talking
0: about this the last two episodes
1: how you and everybody was chiming in and saying David you gotta give it a chance yeah, well, I, uh, I, I certainly it certainly has hooked me, and I will definitely be catching up the first season quick, as now, quick as I can. How, so I can how does it
0: compare season. with the the original?
1: Because this, of course, well, was based on a
0: BBC series. Now it's different, yeah, sure, but the, the premise is. is he turns to the camera every now
1: and then and talks directly, breaking that third wall. Uh, uh, the the difference is the uh, again going back to what we were just saying that House of Cards, the original TV series, was based on a novel which was written by a British conservative politician. And he was inspired to write it because he, he, he'd had a dressing down by Margaret Thatcher. And so he, he concocted the character of... Um, francis urquhart who's that's the name of him in in the uh, in the british version uh, basically as a fantasy of somebody who might be able to scheme to get revenge on margaret thatcher <laughs> so the whole thing was you yeah. know um and so it it had a very obviously the political system it works in is very different but it was also much much more compact because again it was a shorter it was almost like a mini series whereas you can see with this that because uh, it's running for for longer, the schemes are going to take longer to develop. Yeah, but uh, but even so, I mean, what I would have to say is, while the guy who played the British one was was fabulous, um, he, you know, he really did capture the idea of. Um, kind of the british right-wing civil servant type you know your typical stiff upper lip british guy sure. but incredibly intelligent and but but you know manipulative and all of that this is uh, the the manipulation he does is very different in the English version than, than what Kevin Spacey does but I have to say I think Kevin Spacey's performance is one of the best things I've ever seen I mean it's he's, he, 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 he's just so watchable even when he's doing nothing yeah. he's standing at a window smoking a cigarette and he's clearly thinking about a scheme and you get that just from looking at him. Yep. You know, I mean, he acts off the screen with everything. And I think the, uh, what's his name, Robin Wright, plays his wife. She's also uh, excellent. You know, I never you really know? liked her.
0: I, I've never really seen a whole lot of movies that she jumped out at me in. Uh, I, I had respect for her as an actress, but it was like, meh, okay. And I heard she was going to be on this, and I thought, ah, that's going
1: to be probably, you know, eh. She's brilliant in it. Yeah. Because she really. Does bring across the idea of a of a character who, in her own way, knows how to manipulate him to get the best out of him, and and is not remotely interested in in acting as a moral compass for him whatsoever because she knows that that is pointless. So she doesn't well, do and that, that. She's his and, equal. Well, well, exactly. And yeah, they are. In, they're they're the team. Yeah, they're a partnership. Yeah, but yeah. but of, of different ways, you know. And yeah, she demonstrates that she can be just as. A, just as cold as, as oh, he can be. Oh, to yeah, it's, just, <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just brilliant. I mean, yes. it's so well done. It so, is. Yeah, it's I'm, really I'm well very done. Uh, very
0: uh Very exciting to watch. And of it. course, we're less than a week away from the last, the last season of Clone Wars on Netflix. And you know, I, I don't know if you've watched any of the Clone Wars TV shows, but I said for a long time especially to people who are Star Wars fans who never gave it a chance. They were like, yeah, I like the movies. It's it's a cartoon. I'm not interested. And I've said for a long time, The Clone Wars is the best Star Wars since the original trilogy. It blows away uh-huh. uh, the prequel movies. Uh, it is the best Star Wars that I've seen since nineteen 1982, what, 1983, whatever yeah. Return of the Jedi came out. I mean, it uh-huh. captured the exp- excitement. It, it was better than the movies, the you know, episodes one, two, and three, by far. And it's using the same characters and the same settings and everything, but it's so well done, and it's so good. And I was I was okay where the series ended, but it left a lot of gaps, a lot of holes. And uh, from the trailer, The Clone Wars Season 6, it looks like they're finally going to wrap things up, satisfyingly. Okay.
1: <clears throat> so... Did you ever have you ever watched it? I, I watched the original movie, uh, and yeah, which wasn't very good. Episodes. Yeah, I watched a couple of episodes of the TV show, but one of those things not I've not had the time to really get into. Well, they're going to have all the seasons on
0: Netflix. I know people are going to be binge watching the the last season because most people that are into it's already seen you know seasons one through five. But uh, So you are you on Comcast, so you'll get decent Netflix. I am. I've never had a problem with Netflix. You know. Uh, I watch Netflix on both my Apple TV and my computer. And I've never really seen that big of a problem. I've never, it's never caught up with itself and had to pause and wait or anything like that. Um, but I know a lot of people who have had problems with Netflix on Comcast and one of the more, yeah, well, uh, before we wrap up here and we do have to wrap up here in a few minutes, um, Netflix paid Comcast. And uh, that's kind of worrisome to me.
1: That I, I, content in some provider
0: ways I, is going to pay, yeah. so their content doesn't get slowed down.
1: And and of course, you know, it completely throws the idea of net neutrality out of the water because that was what everyone was kind of hoping for that that the uh, the internet providers... Would not be able to force a content provider to pay extra to avoid being deprioritized right um, uh, and you kind of you kind of, I guess you know Netflix is is got to look after their business but you do kind of hope they could have taken the stand to actually keep you know keep the fuss up long enough for, for well, Netflix net would have easily won
0: the PR in- battle but they didn't even try to battle.
1: Yeah, that's, that's the problem the disappointing
0: because that nobody because is
1: now. It's, now it's going to be open season on everything. And before you know it, you and I will be paying to get this
0: show out to our listeners. Yeah. No, I'll, I'll start streaming it out of Dubai or something. Um, it's disgusting and it's wrong. And I hope something is done. But the problem with the Internet is it doesn't
1: give a crap about borders no and and as your internet providers merge and aggregate as they are doing over there then that means that the competition goes away to to try and prevent it happening yep look i i i was getting my internet throttled at home and so i switched away from that provider to a different one yeah and now i don't get throttled and i'm much happy with it but you can only do that if you have competition yep like cell phones i
0: mean uh I was paying close to $225, $230 for my AT&T cell phones. And it's only three iPhones, mine, Julie's, and Brittany's. And that seemed like a lot to me. That was the original iPhone plan when the iPhone first launched in 2007. And, you know, I'm in a different financial position than I have been in a while. And I'm looking to save some money in a few different areas. And that was one of the things that I looked at. And they had another plan that was more than we need. See, I had these rollover numbers, uh, mm. minutes, and I looked at it, and I had fourteen thousand rollover minutes accumulated. <laughs> that's re- that's ridiculous. Yeah. And so I got on a much better plan. It's saving me about seventy dollars a month. And I had a bill due uh, in a couple of days, and the lady I was chatting with because I did it all online. I was I was talking, uh, you know, a, a a text chat with a lady online from AT&T. And she actually went and credited my account $70 so I can save that money immediately. And yeah. I thought, wow, this is AT&T. They've got a really bad rap when it comes to customer service. But I got to tell you, I spent about a half hour on the computer and I changed my plan. And while I was looking at their, you know, what she was offering and what she was going to do mm-hmm. for me, I was on T-Mobile to see what I could do yeah. over there. And the new plan with AT&T is maybe fifteen dollars a month more than what I could have got at T-Mobile, but the lady at at and t look, they didn't have to credit me with that sixty bucks. I changed well, they my don't. plan, but I had already got my bill, so I still had to pay for that bill,
1: and then the new plan oh, yeah. goes into effect. I, I suppose you could argue that they know they make so much profit out of you. Sure, that they can easily throw seventy dollars your way without even blinking. But uh, most I, I of them don't. That's the that's the thing. Yeah, right I, there. I know, I know, and and you know, I've. I've talked on the show before about my pleasant experiences with with AT and T customer service as well. I think I think the problem is is you've got to put in perspective that the sort of money you're paying for those three iPhones a a month is enough that you could afford to buy three unlocked iPhones every year with that money. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's a colossal amount of money for the service. Absolutely. Um, And and here in the uh, United States,
0: we pay a lot more money, especially for internet connection than anybody else and yet we get some of the slowest speeds so go figure mm-hmm. but that's what happens when you have monopolies but yep. i got to give it up to at and i switched my plan they're making less money from me and they gave me a 70 dollar discount which is nothing to sneeze at and this lady that i was doing this with online her name was casey j k-a-s-c-e-e-j just the letter j that was the operator or the customer service person or whatever you want to call her that helped me She was fantastic. She walked me right through the process. Uh, it wasn't working. What she was seeing that I should see on the website wasn't working. So she had me log out. She updated my account so I could log back in and see the changes. It was fantastic. It was a great experience. And look, we come, we get, we go down hard on some companies when they do things we don't like, we'll call them idiots and you know, blah, blah, blah. I think it's only fair that when we have a very positive experience with a company like AT&T, who does have a bad rap to call attention to that because i think that's only fair and i had a great experience you did too when you were in the states yeah and it's uh apropos to to return that favor and and call them out for a positive thing here on tech fan you agree i agree yeah i definitely do well david with that we're going to wrap up this episode of tech fan i enjoyed talking this week i mean we didn't really have a a big set of things we were going to talk about but i enjoyed it yeah that was good um, and, uh, hopefully we'll uh, get together I, next week. Are you back in Yeah, the UK? I,
1: I, well, I'm, I'm, he- I'm still here in Hong Kong um, next Friday, so we can do this again, the same sort of time in the evening for me. For you, it's late. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's just gone midnight here. Yeah. So um, yeah, so that's fine because it, it means it doesn't doesn't clash with all the work stuff I've got going on at the moment. So and hopefully next week I'll have been able to do a bit of gadget shopping down at the uh, at the mad computer places. And we'll definitely want to talk about uh, Samsung.
0: they released a new f- uh, phone this week and uh, Thank you. they didn't get a lot of the same criticism that Apple did for with similar technology and that'd be fun to talk about. but uh, my wife has yeah. got the children sequestered up in a bedroom upstairs, keeping them quiet while I do this so need to wrap this up (laughs) we uh, now
1: have an image of a barricade door and your wife kind of sat on top of the children with her hand over their mouths yeah well i
0: could i can hear them starting to get a little loud so i I gotta let them out and uh, with that we'll wrap up the show david i'll see you next week
1: speak to you then bye